How many of you are concerned about your heart? Let's say if you're not, we need to check your brain, right? <laughs> I, uh, th- this week I googled heart health, and there were seventy-three million six hundred thousand results. And because I'm a scholar and I'm so conscientious towards my church family, I, I went through every one of those for you guys this week. I'm teasing, I didn't, for those of you who think I did. Uh, but here's, here's kind of 73 million, that's phenomenal, isn't it? Here's, the, here's what I would take away just from what I know about heart health, and my doctorate is not in cardiology, by the way, but besides your genetics, if you, you want a healthy heart, you need to eat right occasionally, you need to exercise, you need uh, to sleep, you need to deal with stress properly. Those are keys to your, your heart. And if your physical heart is not well, it's not going to go well for you. It, it doesn't matter if everything else is great. If your heart is sick, you're going to have problems. And this morning in Romans 1, we're going to look at our spiritual heart, Romans chapter 1. The Bible talks about your spiritual heart being your center, the center of your soul. It's the center of your being. It's who you are. It's your affections. It's your will. And, and how your heart goes, you go, friend. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of your life. Everything in your life evolves from what happens in your heart. And so with the, the concept of gratitude and thanksgiving a few days away, I want us to talk about spiritual heart health. And, and I want to begin with, with a hard thing, but a very important thing. And, and that's this, the first thing. When we fail to honor God and thank God, our hearts become sick. That may sound simple. It, you, may, you, you may at first disagree with that. But I'm, we're going to look at one of the hardest, and, and I mean just a really straightforward passage of Scripture, and this Romans 1, that clearly, I believe, lays out that it, the fundamental problem with many of our hearts is it's when we fail to acknowledge God and we fail to be thankful to God. We're going to look, uh, we're going to read all this in just a moment. We're going to look at verses 18 through 32. The, and, and some of you have heard these before. I've preached them in a much different context before. But this is a passage that talks about the depravity of mankind 2,000 years ago in Rome and about the depravity of mankind in the world today even. And I think the source of it we're going to get to in a moment uh, may surprise you. Verse 18 through 20, it says, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godliness, godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since that... What may be known about what's plain about God to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. What God's saying here, and God's hot, by the way, in this passage. God, God is uh, God's pretty direct. What God's saying here is that the people in Rome, that God's through Paul is addressing, man, they're, they're depraved, they're messed up. And God's saying they're without excuse. They're without excuse for living godless lives. He says nature itself even screams that there's a God. Bill Gates, 
is probably the wealthiest man in America, one of the wealthiest men in the world. Bill Gates has said in the past, he asked if he went to church. He said, church is a waste of my time. I don't have time for church. So I don't think Bill Gates is where he would, uh, we'd want him to be with God. But this is interesting. In, in a, a Rolling Stone magazine article last year, Bill Gates was asked if he believed in God. And Bill Gates said, when you look at the world, you look at the universe, you look up and you look around. He said, to me, it's impossible to say this happened by accident. It's impossible to say that this was just a freak uh, explosion that created everything. He said, I think the intelligent response is that there is an intelligent designer out there. Wow, that's pretty good, isn't it? I don't like where his conclusions end up. I'll share with you in a moment. But Bill Gates expresses what God says here. When man looks up and looks around, you have to say that there is a God. In verse 21, this is our main verse this morning. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were dark. And this is the PowerPoint of the whole thing. Well, let's read through the rest of this chapter. It's long, but it's important. It's powerful. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. They exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. We, we always worship something. Verse 24, therefore God gave them over and their sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie. They worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. Verse 26. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lust. Even their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relationships with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed indecent acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their perversion. I'm running your thanksgiving by reading this, aren't I? Verse 28, furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossip. See, this starts to hit even more home to some of us who may have said, well, those are bad people up there earlier. They're gossip, slanders, insolent, arrogant, boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They are senseless, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Although they know God's righteous decrees that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve those who practice them. You know what? That could be a headline today, couldn't it? That was written 2,000 years ago to Rome. Think about that. Think about that. And here's the weird thing. Maybe it's not weird to you, but in verse 21, I believe this is the source. Although they knew God, what that's meaning there, they knew enough about God. They had enough of an understanding about God. They neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. To glorify means to recognize. It means to honor. It means to honor here, to honor God as God, to show God the importance that he is God deserves. They didn't do that. Nor, it says, nor did they thank God. Some of us think Thanksgiving's not a deep spiritual concept or, you know, it's just a turkey holiday. Thanksgiving shows a whole lot about our hearts. 
They neither glorified God nor they gave thanks to God. The word thanks literally means the good response. It means to recognize how you've been blessed and to express that recognition, to be grateful and to be to praise. And look at the end of this. Then their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were dark. And listen, all that list of depraved things, it began. He says, here was the starting point. When people failed to acknowledge and honor God as God, and they became ingrates in their heart, their hearts began to become hard and darkened. And in verse 28, it says, Furthermore, since they didn't think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, he gave them over to a depraved mind to do what ought not to be done. Very simply, what that means is God's given us freedom. You want to go down a path of depravity and sin. You don't want to acknowledge God, thank God, be grateful to God. It's progressive. God's going to let you go your own way. The great thing is God gives us freedom. The, the real thing about that is in that freedom, there's very real consequences to how it goes. You start ignoring God. You forget to be a thankful person. And it's, it's, it's beyond being forgetful. It's a heart problem. The Bible says our heart goes in a bad, bad direction. I know this isn't true about all of Hollywood, but you would probably agree with me. A lot of Hollywood is depraved. I don't have an agenda. Uh, Hollywood projects America as a country. uh, If if you looked at the statistics, the American population uh, of homosexuality, it's about 2 or 3%. It's tiny. It really is. But in Hollywood, it's huge. And, and what's given to us in television shows and movies is sexual immorality. Is, uh, adultery and fornication are just as sinful as homosexuality, by the way. And, and, and that's the norm. I mean, you watch an average show, you're going to see immorality after immorality. Uh, you know, it's funny. They'll beep some cuss words, but you can take God's name in vain on TV, and they don't beep that. Isn't that amazing? I mean, that's the worst thing you could say, but that, they'll let them, they'll, they'll, they won't beef that. Slate magazines, an online magazine, they did a 12-year study, someone did, from 2002 to 2014, of people who won the Oscar Awards. If you don't know what that is, Google it when you get home or ask your mama. She'll know. And they looked at 47 people over 12 years who had won the Oscars. Not one of them acknowledged or thanked God when they received their reward. Their award. They thanked their directors. They thanked their fellow actors, which is good. They thanked family, which is wonderful. In 12 years, 47 actors receiving what would be one of the highest awards in their field neither acknowledged or thanked God for his blessings and him putting them in a place where they could win that. I don't know about you, but I believe that's symptomatic of what's wrong with Hollywood. And again, it's easy to look at Hollywood or look at this list of depravity and say, well, that's not me. Get them, preacher. They're bad. But here's the truth. Let me tell you what happens to your heart and my heart here in Ruston, Louisiana. Or if you're in Honolulu watching this live. What happens in your heart and my heart when we fail to honor God as God And when we become ingrates, unthankful people, we become selfish. We become self-deceived. We become negative. We become self-centered. We become entitled 
little spoiled brats. And you can be an 85-year-old spoiled brat. We become arrogant and self-dependent and self-sufficient. Because, hey, if you don't need God, you don't need God, right? And by the way, why, why should you or I be thankful to God or anybody else? Because the world owes it to us, amen? Matthew 5, 3 is, is the beginning of what's called the Sermon on the Mount. And this is probably the anchor verse. It says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The poor in spirit doesn't mean poor in the billfold. It doesn't mean poor, pity, pitiful me. It means when we understand our need for God. When we understand how he's God and we're not. And a, listen, failing to acknowledge God as God and living it with an ungrateful heart is just the opposite of what Matthew 5, 3 says. You ever dealt with an ingrate? Every one of you have. Probably all of us have been this. It's fun, isn't it, to deal with someone who expects things, who doesn't say thank you, who feels entitled. Someone said about an atheist, an atheist must hate Thanksgiving because they have a lot of blessings. They just have no one to thank. (laughs) Truth is, a lot of us are practical atheists. We have a God to thank. We just don't thank him. I'm not sure which is worse. And it might be easy for many of us, certainly not all of us, but many of us in Ruston and the surrounding areas, when we leave this service, we have the privilege of going next door and eating a meal catered by a log cabin that's going to be really good. I wonder how many people will gripe about the food. <laughs> Well, there just wasn't enough green beans on my plate. That pie really wasn't that good. The preacher didn't spend enough time with me at the dinner table. Friend, I'm going to say hello, but I'm going over there to eat. (laughs) No, I'll spend time with you. I'm teasing. And then we'll get in our car, we'll get in a vehicle, and, and we'll go home, and we'll have a safe trip home, and we'll get home, and we'll turn on the TV, and we'll be in a house that's probably fairly warm and if we're hungry we can probably go get more food and we have a cell phone and we're still focusing on all the things we don't have and poor pitiful me it's easy isn't it so I want to tell you how to reverse that it's not complicated but it's hard if we get in the spot one way the simple thing is to flip that Here it is. Be conscientious to acknowledge and thank God. Be conscientious in your life to acknowledge and thank God. How many of you could run a seminar on how to get out of shape? We call it reverse boot camp. I bet I could have a packed house. We'll call it Donuts for Jesus. And we'll meet up here. We're not going to meet at 5 in the morning. We're going to meet about 11 And we're going to eat and we're going to watch TV and then we'll pray and go home. Amen. Doesn't that sound great? What do you have to do to get out of shape? Nothing. Nothing. Okay, here's the point. You taking notes? The next three weeks, eat anything you want. You doctors, stop up your ears because you're going to be mad at me. Eat anything you want. If you see a treadmill, don't cuss it because we as Christians don't cuss. But say ugly things about it and move quickly away from it. 
Stay up as late as you can. You know, just all you have to do to get out of shape is nothing. Getting out of shape is fun. Amen. Can I get an amen on that? It is fun. Because you don't have to do anything to get out of shape. To be in shape, you have to be what? Conscientious, don't you? It takes commitment. It takes dedication. And that's the same way spiritually. Your heart, spiritually, is going to drift away from God. Your heart is going to drift you being spoiled, baby, ingrate. Putting you on the throne instead of God. That's how our natural default is there. Are you following me? We default away from God. You have to be conscientious to be who you should be with God. So we've got to be conscientious here. Bill Gates, I quoted him earlier, told you about what he said. But here's the rest of the quote. Bill Gates said, I believe there's an intelligent designer. I just don't know what you do with that. Billy, if you're listening, I've got a word for you and I've got a word for you. Here's the first thing. Daily surrender yourself to God. This part of Thanksgiving, it's the key to Thanksgiving. Your words are, your words are just words if this isn't here. What, what, what do you do when you realize there is a creator? You surrender yourself to him. Let's look back at that verse again. 21. Although they knew God, they neither glorified him. That word glorify means to honor. It means to recognize. It means to show importance. Glorify him as what? As God. We don't glorify God as a, just a simple, he, God is my friend. Jesus said in John, he said, you can call me friend now. That's awesome. But he's my God too, right? Walt's my friend. But, Walt, well, you're not my God, are you? <laughs> but Jesus is my friend and he's God. And to glorify him as God means that I recognize and honor God as God. That's when you become a Christian, ultimately what you're doing is surrendering your life to Jesus. Do you know that? I mean, you get baptized, you join the church, all that's great. What's really happening in your heart is you're surrendering yourself to Jesus. And you don't need to be saved every day, but the Bible tells us every day, Luke 9, 23, if you're taking notes, that we take up our cross and follow him, deny ourselves. Romans 12, 1. Let's look at Romans 12, 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy... To offer your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is true and proper worship. We talk about singing. We say, let's have a time of praise and worship. And, 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 and it should be. We talk about preaching. Hopefully, it's a time of worship. But listen, you can sing beautifully and die and go to hell. You can preach, speak well and die and go to hell. Worship is surrendering your heart to God. See, you can, and I want you to, I want you to get into when we sing. Raise your hands. Get into it. And get into it when I'm preaching and yell. That's great. Brownie points and Christmas present for Brother Phillips there. But worship is is when you surrender your heart to Jesus. You know, the most worshipful time of a service should be the invitation. He says, present your body as a living sacrifice. You know the problem with a living sacrifice? We tend to crawl off the altar, don't we? (laughs) Because it gets hot. That's why the Bible says it's a daily thing. Our spiritual act of worship is when we surrender ourselves to Jesus Christ. You need to do that for the first time today. Do it. But it's a daily thing every single day. How do I offer thanks to God? How do I keep my heart in good shape? 
I stay surrendered to Jesus Christ. Number two, daily prioritize thanking God. Make this a part of your life. Let's look at verse 21 again. Read this when you get home. Super bad stuff follows this. They didn't thank God. Their minds became futile. And their hearts were darkened. So give thanks to God. What is thanks? Thanks is, is it, it's, it's very simple. It's recognizing a blessing. It's recognizing, it's, the, it's the, the good response, and it's expressing it. How many of you think foolish things like this? Well, God already knows my heart. The Bible's it's like prayer. The, Bible's, the Bible doesn't say, just sit there and just say, well, God already knows my heart. The Bible says pray. God tells, if God tells you to do it, don't try to figure it out. Just do it, amen? Just do it. And, and it's like, how many of you are mind readers? My wife can raise her hand and I will be sleeping on the couch tonight. Not, none of us are. Not, none of us are. But, but why, do you, why are you not telling people thank you? Well, they know how I feel. No, they don't. And, and Thanksgiving is an expression. It's a recognition and an expression of a blessing. It's not sitting on it. It's getting it out. It's sharing it. Let me give you a Thanksgiving plan. We're going to talk in the spring about how to pray. I'm going to give you a head start this morning. You ought to have, if you're a Christian, a prayer time every day. And part of that prayer time ought to be thanking God. Here's what I want to challenge you to do starting today. Spend at least one minute a day thanking God. You go, I don't know what to thank him for. I'm going to help you in a moment with that. Some of you have been Christians a long time. That one minute ought to be 10 minutes or ought to be 20 minutes. But set aside time every day where you specifically thank God. Thank him through the day. Thank him as you're blessed. Thank him when prayers are answered. Don't you love it when you have a a prayer answered? You've been praying about something. How many of you are like me? I'll I'll be honest with you. I can pray about something for months and when God's... You get a great answer, and then I thank him for about five seconds. Are you like that? That's terrible, isn't it? Thank him when God answers prayers for you. Here's another great thing. When you go to bed tonight, here's what I want to challenge you to do. Before you lay down, I want you to think of five things, five blessings in your life. Recognize that blessing and and thank God. I'll tell you what I do on a typical night. I'll, I'll thank God that my life, my wife is alive. I can't find her in the bed. She's covered by dogs, but she's there somewhere. I, can, I thank God that my two boxers are alive and well, hogging the bed, but they're there. I, I thank him that I'm alive. My family's alive. Put your mind in a good spot spiritually before you go to bed. And you know the first thing you ought to do when you get up in the morning, tomorrow morning? Five things thank God for. Thank him for a good night's rest. Thank him that if you, you got up. <laughs> this, this won't be hard. Start your day and end your day recognizing your, your blessings and expressing those things to God. Now, some of you still are thinking, I don't know what to be thankful for. In Britain several years ago, some scientists did a, 
a very interesting study. They got six volunteers, and they pay these people. This is why people do dumb things like this. They pay these six people to spend 48 hours in a total deprivation chamber. Now, what that means is that these people for two full days went into, the, it, was, it was like a, a, a bunker, it was underground, they were in separate chambers where they could see nothing. I mean, completely black. It was completely dark. They could hear nothing. It was totally soundproof. Obviously, they could feel things. They were given, I guess, in that little cell, and it was a small cell, enough water to they could live for 48 hours. And they, they were going to see the psychological effects it had on people. One guy who did it was in his 30s. His name was Adam Bloom. You have to be a certain level of physical and psychological health to do these things. So Adam tells about his experience. He says he goes in this chamber. He said the first 30 minutes are fun. He said he's singing. Nobody can hear. So he's singing. He's telling jokes. He's cutting up. And he goes, 30 minutes of singing and telling jokes to yourself, it gets old. <laughs> and he says, and, and then as time went on, he began to lose track of, of, of time. And you you can't see anything, you can't hear anything, you you have no interaction with anybody else. He said by the time the 48 hours were over, he's almost at the point of insanity. He said a couple of things happened when he came out of the chamber. He said, number one, I regained back my brain and my, my psychological health. He said, number two, I experienced gratitude like I've never had in my life. He said, when I walked out of that bunker, the bunker was overgrown. It was, you know, it was, uh, it was kind of a hi- hidden thing. He said, I looked at it two days earlier, and I thought, this is nasty. because this is beautiful. He said, I'm 37. I've seen the sky every day of my life because God's blessed me with sight. And he said, I walked out for the first time, and I said, the sky is beautiful, and the grass is beautiful, and the birds singing is beautiful, and I can smell, and things are pretty. Listen, if you don't think you have a lot to be thankful for, you got an issue. How many of you brushed your teeth this morning? If you didn't, stand back. Isn't it good to have teeth to brush? You know, as Jeff Foxworthy would say, a tooth to brush. You'll get that later. That's funny. Are you thankful for your teeth and your toothbrush and toothpaste? Hey, I'm thankful for toothpaste, aren't you? There's so many things in your life to be thankful for. And see, what happens is when you begin to acknowledge God and to focus on the blessings in life, that's how your heart gets healthy. That's where your heart gets in the spot that it needs to be. That's where you're, in, you're getting in line with Jesus Christ. At Harvard University several years ago, some psychologists did a study on gratitude. They took three groups of people. One group did nothing. They just came for 12 weeks and met with the counselors, talked, and would go home. Another group came and talked nothing and wrote nothing but their problems for 12 weeks. Another group came, and daily they would write thank you notes. They would write their blessings. They would talk about how they'd been blessed. At the end of three months, here's what they found out. The ones who did nothing were about the same. The ones who focused on their problems were less healthy, less happy, uh, and more pessimistic. But the ones for 12 weeks who had written thank you notes, focused on their blessings 
focused on how they had been blessed, expressing that they were healthier, happier, and more optimistic. You see, when we acknowledge God and we put God on the throne of our life and we live a life of gratitude, not only does it bless our hearts, it blesses us. It not only pleases God and pleases other people that we're grateful to, it blesses and changes us. How many of you know who Tom Hanks is? Tom Hanks is a famous actor. Tom Hanks probably today would get $20 million for a movie. Pretty good, isn't it? Tom Hanks has won two Oscar awards himself. But he talks about early in his career, people who talk about him early in his career, that wasn't true. In fact, when he first broke into Hollywood, he was trying, he was in a sitcom, and he was not doing well. And the actor who gets $20 million a movie today went to the producers, and he asked if he could borrow $5,000 because he was broke. The producers trusted him and his character. They let him borrow $10,000. Here's what they said happened. As soon as he had the money to pay him back, he immediately paid him back. For years, when Tom Hanks would see them, he would get down on a knee and he would say, thank you so much for blessing my life. Not one time, for years. He was asked, why do you do, 15 years later when you see these directors, why do you get down on a knee and thank them? He said, because they believed in me when no one else did. They were there for me when no one else was there for me. When I was broke, they gave me money. When I didn't have a career, they gave me a chance. The least they deserve for me is my honor and my gratitude the rest of my life. Is that not awesome? I tell you, people-wise, there's people that deserve your gratitude the rest of your life. But I know Jesus Christ, every day the rest of our lives, Deserves us to bow our hearts and our knees to him and to lift up our thanks to him. And I want to challenge you for your heart's health to make this a priority of your life. Let's pray. This morning, if you're a Christian, I hope that God is dealing with you, speaking to your heart about some things that you need to do some changes that you may need to make even this morning. If you're not a Christian or you're unsure if you're a Christian and you're ready today to cross that line with Jesus, would you pray with me where you are if you're ready and just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I want to turn from my sins. And Jesus, I accept that you're God's son and that you died and that you arose for me and and I'm asking you to come into my heart and Jesus I surrender my life to you let me have your attention just for a second we're going to stand in a moment and when we do here's what I want you to do maybe you just ask Jesus into your heart or maybe you're ready to do that when we stand would you come today talk to one of these ministers bow your life to Christ Maybe you're here today and you'd like to join our church family. One way you can do that when we stand 
is you can slip out and come. You can join us this morning. You can do it after church. You can do it now. We'd love for you to. Christian, maybe you're doing well with these things. Keep it up. Maybe you're not. I want to challenge every Christian here, whether it's where you're standing or at the altar on your knees or praying with a minister. Commit yourself to acknowledging God as your God and spending the rest of your life in gratitude to others and to Him. Let's stand. God leads you.